Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. You heard this uh, this heart-wrenching news from a press release from Payson City Police just a moment ago. You and I read that here together. Uh, the gist is this. The city right now is under a shelter-in-place. Uh, KSL News Radio's Paul Nelson uh, has made his way rapidly to Payson City, where he uh, is now and joins us now. Paul, sir, how are you? I am well. Now I'm at the scene of where this actually happened, and I can tell you, uh, because the, the suspect appears to still you know, be on the loose, they haven't arrested him, according to the press release. It looks like they brought in as many police agencies as they possibly could to uh, try to set up some sort of a perimeter. I see officers from Santa Quinn, uh, from Salem, from uh, the Highway Patrol, just a lot of different agencies apparently going around. Matter of fact, I even thought I saw uh, some people kind of going door to door, officers asking people if they saw anything. But, yeah, the whole city uh, is under a shelter in place. Matter of fact, even the businesses have been told that, well, it's up to you if you even want to stay open for right now. What do we know so far? What do we know about the suspect being pursued by police right now? Um, well, what we do know is that he's just described white man, long black hair, had it in a bun. He had a lot of uh, tattoos kind of up and down his arm. Uh, from what the description says. Now, what they uh, police say that he did, apparently he was attacking somebody. Um, uh, uh, he was attacking a man with a sledgehammer. He was uh, hitting him, you know, about the body and even with the head with the sledgehammer. The woman uh, basically called out, said, you know, ordered this man to stop it. And apparently, according to police, they say that's when the man turned on her, started um, going after her and the children that were at her house because her house is the daycare facility. And so uh, started punching them, punching the kids, uh, some of the kids that, you know, getting treated for injuries. But as far as the man, what we know about him, adult male, the description is he's adult male with a uh, long black hair, uh, had it in a bun, might have actually been with another white man, um, uh, may have left with him. So. Um, that's what we know about the situation, about the suspect so far. And I do know that the police are out in force as they're trying to find this guy. And you're seeing multiple agencies responding, aiding in uh, what seems to be a perimeter they're setting up around uh, Payson City, where this shelter in place uh, exists right now. Yeah, and and I saw this. This a matter of fact, I could see some officers with dogs. Um, you know, it looks like they've even brought them to help maybe search for the suspect, which is a a common thing that they use the dogs to try and find suspects, and it looks like they've kind of gone up and down looking for this person. Um, the extent, um, uh, the as far as how badly the kids were hurt, that we don't exactly know just yet. The uh, according to the press release, the victim neighbor has been flown for medical treatment, and his condition is unknown at this time. But um, it sounded extremely serious. 
with him being apparently attacked with a sledgehammer. Police are all ask, also asking anyone in the area if they have uh, surveillance cameras on their homes, the ring devices or something like that, uh, to check them for any footage of the males. Uh, Paul Nelson, uh, we will check base or touch base rather with you as this uh, investigation continues. And as soon as you learn anything, please let us know. Copy that. Thanks, Paul. Uh, heartbreaking stuff, just uh, an evil event. You hope that all uh, are able to heal and be made well and forget uh, the evil inflicted upon this community today in that uh, child care center. Heartbreaking stuff. Uh, all right, we need to uh, shift gears for a moment here. I want to talk uh, to a band director, specifically the band director of American Fork High School joins us on the line, uh, Oren Landis. Uh, now, I, I should be clear, uh, this has nothing to do with the last story we just talked about. All right, uh, This is uh, how the coronavirus, how COVID has impacted uh, music in schools. Uh, Mr. Landis, sir, how are you? Good. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing all right. I, I have to say, uh, when I was young, when I was growing up, uh, one of my most favorite times of the school day uh, was when I was able to get together with uh, my band director, Guy Macaluso, uh, and he taught me to play uh, the snare drum, the the clarinet, and ultimately the, the alto saxophone. Uh, we went on to, to have like a jazz band and a marching band. Some of the most precious times in my uh, school career, and to know that or presume that those uh, memories will be a little bit different for students right now uh, learning the, the, the great lessons of music. Uh, it it kind of breaks my heart. So tell me, wh wh what is the circumstance right now? Um, so it's, uh, it's a little bit different, obviously, how you're talking about from years past. Um, uh, usually we like to try and keep the students in a more tight setup so they can hear each other a little bit easier as they're playing along with the music and adjust intonations and um, hear how they should be matching with other other instruments. Um, now we're trying to set everybody up where they're at least six feet apart, mm -hmm. um, making sure that we can keep the social distancing. Um, we've got students that are going to have uh, bell covers, uh, sort of like a mask for uh, some of the instruments. Um, students will be wearing masks when they're not playing. And, um, you know, I'll have a mask on or some sort of face shield or something like that. So um, just, a, just a little bit different setup, a little bit different sound than what you're going to be used to. But, but it sounds like the show goes on. You, you will be able to offer instruction. You'll be able to uh, prepare for concerts. Will concerts be a thing? Um, so right now that's kind of fluid. We're not really sure yeah. uh, exactly what we're going to be able to do as far as concerts go. Um, we know that our auditorium, the district's mandated that we have a 25% capacity, which isn't very much, unfortunately, for our American Fork Auditorium. Yeah. Um, we've, we've thought about maybe doing it in the gym or even if the weather's nice, trying to do it outside on the stadium where you can get uh, more parents in. So, But, yeah, we're going to try and do as much as possible in a live setting, and if that doesn't work out, then we'll go to a more virtual setup. I got you. Uh, you. You mentioned that you yourself would be wearing a mask. When I think back of uh, when I think back to, to my own days uh, sitting as a uh, I was first chair alto sax. All right, uh, first chair. As I was there uh, sitting in the first position, I would look up and see Mr. Mack, uh, and the way he would conduct uh, was was influenced heavily by uh, his facial expressions. He would, with his face, uh, be do doing much communication. Is that the same case for you? And how do you overcome that uh, while wearing a mask? 
Yeah, so uh, interestingly enough, I've actually practiced uh, just looking in the mirror to try and figure out how I can use my eyes in a more expressive way. Okay. Um, in, a, in a way that's going to help the students to kind of understand some of the the visual gestures that you give when you're trying to pull more musical phrase out from them. Mm. Um, so and the, the thing that is the hardest is just the smile. You know, a, a lot of times students really look forward to being in that program just because you, it's a friendly face that they see on a, on a, you know, quasi regular basis and, you know, not being able to, to smile and, and um, you're not, not that they're able to see the smile and it's just a little bit more difficult and challenging. So I've just been practicing different ways to, to try and see if it'll, uh, you know, kind of give them some of that yeah. same good feelings that they get from being in the program. How about the, how about the, the students who have opted to, to learn remotely? How, how do you, how do you handle music instruction for, for the remote learners? Yeah. So, um, we're going to make sure that they get copies of the original music that we're working on for like the class period. Um, so they'll still be required to submit videos, um, uh, of the music that we're working on in mm. class. Uh, we're also talking about, uh, doing some, uh, solo literature. Um, so they'll have to pick out a solo once a term, uh, practice that, make sure that they submit the video for it. Um, you know, we'll give them a grade based off of, off of how they do and, um, just, just more private, I guess, instruction while still trying to keep it as close to the same as the normal classroom setting. Yeah. Uh, marching band, I imagine, you know, seeing their absence at some of these football games, uh, last night, uh, that marching band has been pretty heavily impacted. W what about competitions and, uh, and the marchers? Yeah. So our marching band has, it's the, the processes that we've been doing throughout the summer have been a little bit different. You know, we take temperatures at the beginning of rehearsal. We do a screening test just to make sure that everybody's feeling well, um, you know, we've been rehearsing since the end of June, but we've kept students either six feet apart or made sure that they had some sort of mask on. We're always outside. Um, luckily, the Utah Music Educators Association is the one that uh, heads up the uh, marching band circuit competitions. And they've been doing a really great job of, of trying to make it possible for us to do it. So as of right now, we've got four competitions that are scheduled. Uh, for us to do starting at the end of September and going in until the end of October. And uh, it looks like if everything goes well, we'll be able to continue that. Um, it's going to be a little different from like years past. Normally when you go to a marching band competition, the stands are just completely full with parents and mm -hmm. community members there to support everybody. Um, at least at uh, the competition that we're holding in American Fork, I, we're only going to be able to have people up to 25% of capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're, we're breaking it up into blocks of, of bands. So we're selling tickets for each block, you know, so a 25% capacity for a block of maybe two or three bands will clear the stands, then allow another 25% uh, yeah. in to be there. So that way the students are, uh, well, parents are getting able to see their, their kids perform and hopefully a few other people. So, 
um, it's not ideal, but it still allows the, the students to, to do that thing that they really like to do, and that's go out and perform for a marching band. It, it sounds like you've been creative. I can hear optimism in your voice. Uh, I, I think you've handled this very well, and I think that uh, from what you described, that uh, much music learning and teaching uh, it can go on. The show uh, must go on. Uh, Mr. Landis, band director at American Fork High School, thank you so much. Thank you very much. You hear this music in the background? Uh, in a second, a saxophone's going to come in. That's me. Yeah? Yeah, I was in sixth or seventh grade here. That band instructor I mentioned, Guy Macaluso, he wrote this song. My sister's in there, too. She's playing the trumpet. A song here called Some Funk Junk. I'm late for news, or else I'd let you hear more. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Next up, we're talking about VJ Day. August 15th, 1945. Big news that day. We'll go back to that day next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.